There's a lot of career paths that are likely to be way less lucrative than the arts. The arts are, you know, make up an enormous amount of the gross domestic product, like more than agriculture, more than trucking. Like the arts are a huge percentage of, of our financial economy. You're listening to the Gangstar Creative Podcast, where we talk and share real strategies, real tactics, and real stories from me and my badass guests to help Gangstar creatives and artists like you thrive in both your business and life. And I'm your host, Ivana. I'm an artist, creative entrepreneur, speaker, and best-selling author. Are you ready to annihilate the status quo of the starving artist? If so, let's get it! What's up, Gangstars? It's your girl, Devana, and this week's Gangstar Creative is Sam Bennett. She's a critically acclaimed author, speaker, and leading authority on highly creative people. Sam's work has earned praise from experts and leaders around the globe, like Seth Godin, David Neagle, and Keegan-Michael Key of The Key & Peele Show, using her decades of experience as a professional actor and branding consultant to unlock their creativity within others and teach them how to use it successfully within their business or career. Her genius has also been featured in publications such as NPR, Self Magazine, Daily Word, PsychologyToday.com, and ReadersDigest.com. She has trained over 10,000 people and sold 40,000 copies of her two best-selling books while leading a global creativity movement, helping even the most creatively challenged people unlock their inner genius. As a professional actor, she has performed in countless shows, including roles on network television, hobnobbed with the Hollywood elite, wrote a musical, and built a successful business helping people tap into their creativity and productivity. In this episode, we talk about some awesome things like productivity, why you're awesome as a creative, how to get through creative blocks, how to make money as a creative, and so many more awesome things. So let's hop into this episode. All right, Gangstars, I have an amazing guest for this week's Gangstar Creative episode. We have Sam Bennett on the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have such an interesting story. I was looking at your website and all that stuff. So I'm excited to dive in and just have you share so many awesome things with our listeners. But first, I would like you to start off by just sharing a little bit about yourself. Who is Sam? Take us on a journey of where you started and where you are today. Sure. Um, well, I was a theater kid. Right. So I did all the plays in school and went to theater camp and went to school for theater. Um, and I eventually left Northwestern University to take a job at the Second City because that seemed more interesting. And it was. Um, so then I sort of came up through Second City with a bunch of the sort of big names in comedy that we all know today, you know, Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell and Amy Sedaris. And there's a picture from my first wedding and it's all of those people and and more um, very cool yeah but you know we were just kids doing comedy together <laughs> you know in a van going down to <laughs> downstate illinois um but it was great it was great training and um and then in 94 i moved out to los angeles and to sort of play with the big boys and you know i had one of those acting careers that went well enough that you didn't want to give up on it i mean i always had an agent mm -hmm. i did days of our lives and modern family and drew carey show and you know i mean i worked um, but not enough to actually support a person. <laughs> mm. And my life was like a lot of full-time actors. It was just this endless hodgepodge of jobs and gigs and projects and shows and auditions and part-time and half-time and this gig and that gig. <laughs> and, 
you know, it was creatively very satisfying. It was financially disastrous. And along the way, I got really interested in this question of how do creative people solve problems? Mm. How do creative people figure out what to do? You know, when you've got a grillion ideas every day, when you've got a lot of talents and skills, good at a lot of things, like how do you know what to do? And then how do you promote it? How do you stay committed, you know, in the middle when it's like boring and stupid and you have a new idea and that's probably better. <laughs> Sparkly thing. <laughs> and uh, so I started teaching a class called Get It Done. That um, was just a lot of worksheets and questions and inquiries and games almost to help people oh. tap into their own natural creative wisdom because of course there isn't a right way right yeah right there's no right way to have a podcast there's no right way to be an artist there's no right way yeah. to be a performer there's just your way so figuring out what that is um and it was you know it was just one of a lot of things i was doing i would teach it in a church basement in van nuys for like 11 people and i might have charged somewhere. yeah i might have charged them 75 dollars and felt really shy about it you know um <laughs> And then it, it kind of, and in 2009, I started to do it full time, knowing nothing about starting a business. Um, but it grew really rapidly and really joyfully. And, um, and now it's a book that got endorsed by Seth Godin and it's courses and classes and a big mailing list. And it's a lot of fun. Oh man, I love it. Um, so you were like, you were doing the acting thing for, it seems like about 10 years before you got into the uh, coaching, workshop, speaking type of circle? Oh, more than that. I mean, I started yeah. acting professionally in the early 80s and I didn't really quit till about eight years ago. So, mm, it's, Gotcha. Yeah, it was a lot. Was do a you lot. miss it? I do. I do. Yeah. I even took an acting class for a while ago just to, you know, keep my chops up, um, uh, which was fun. But on the other hand, I will also say that anybody who says that teaching is not acting is fucking lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can totally see that because I've done some workshops. I've speak, spoken on stages and you like literally like turn a certain persona on and you're creating like that extra half self, you know, that not everybody gets to see because you are putting on like a performance on stage for That's people. That's exactly right. And it was a big, you know, I've, I've done some keynoting and, and, and I was really noticing, you know, when I got a standing ovation from 3,000 entrepreneurs from performing a piece I had written, basically, I was like, oh, this is, this is good. Like, this is the same. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's like booking a great job and not having to drive across town for an audition at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, you know? <laughs> there you go. And, and that's really awesome that you're able to find something that, you know, created that, better of freedom, not having to do that like crazy hustle lifestyle that you were so used to, used to doing that comes with, you know, living the actor or creative artist, performer, entertainer type of lifestyle where it's just like random stuff, gigs, shows, you know, being on set and all of that stuff. You kind of almost seemed like you kind of did all of that and then found something that was a little bit more, um, I don't know what the word I'm trying to think of, but just not easier, but just more consistent as far as like being able to control your lifestyle and control like your calendar and control like how your day-to-day -day looks. Well, that's exactly the key, right? Is that control and that self-empowerment and the understanding that like, oh, 
I am my own economy. Mm -hmm. I don't need to rely on somebody else to give me a job. I create the work I want to do and then I do it. And it's turned me into a much better writer. Um, and I've even, like, I also, I wrote a musical that's wow. like, got produced and is doing really well. And like, I've had all these opportunities that I think I would never have had if I had just stayed in kind of a narrow, I'm only just an actor lane. Mm, gotcha. What was that like turning point? So like you were acting and stuff and then you, like you said, you, that question popped up in your head that you were kind of doing research on and diving into. And then you started out doing like little workshops, like at a basement in a church and different small things. What was like that turning point for you were like, okay, I really have something here. This is how I feel like I can really help people. And this is something that I can, you know, make a career out of and that I enjoy. Was there like some specific event that you did where you something happened and you were like, I'm going to pivot and I'm going to do this? Or was it just kind of a gradual thing? It was both. It was a gradual thing. But then there was definitely a moment um, in very early 2009, like January 2009, where I had been doing... Um, some work for a production company that then, and they laid off two thirds of their employees, including me. Um, so like my main gig kind of fell apart. Mm -hmm. And another thing that I thought I was going to do also fell off. And then the thing I had been doing had come to a natural conclusion that I knew was ending. So all of a sudden I had this open calendar and no revenue. And I was like, Hmm. you know, sitting there thinking, oh no, now I gotta get another gig. Ugh, God. <laughs> and I had some great day gigs, you know, working with some really wonderful people and mostly stuff in the industry. It was really as fun as that kind of thing could be. But even then I felt like I was leaving half of myself in the car. Mm. You know? And so, yeah, so here I was like not knowing what to do and thinking, oh, God, I gotta get another job. And then I thought, oh, or I wonder if I could do this organized artist company thing full time. Hmm. And then I thought, I guess I should order business cards. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's always business cards is like the first. <laughs> That's where you start. You got to start with the business cards. Right? Like Vista print. I mean, literally, I knew nothing. Um, but I made it my business to learn really fast. Hmm. And it turns out that being in business is not that hard. Um, and that most of the things that other people find hard, highly creative people do instinctively. You know, having a great business is about telling great stories. It's about being authentic and real with people. And it's about being of service to people and helping them. And highly creative people do that rolling out of bed in the morning. I mean, yeah, as a creative and as a business owner person too. It's kind of like, I feel like creatives don't understand that they have those almost um, powers within themselves because they just think of the craft and the work itself. And they're like, oh, business, like, I don't want to focus on that. That's like too hard. Maybe I'll hire somebody or I'm just going to not worry about that right now. But I feel like we have more of an advantage because we're able to balance so many things and Typically, we have multiple, like, we're versatile in our talents, too, even though we focus on, you know, like, one or a few things. No, that's absolutely true. And, and I also, it's not entirely our fault. Like, I get a little mad at the world of business because I feel like the world of business went like, oh, hi, creatives. Um, you know what? I don't think you'd like it over here because it's super businessy. So you should like, go over there where it says starving. You'll like that. That's better. Go there. 
<laughs> I know, I know. And that's like my whole thing with Gangstar Creative is just my whole mission is to annihilate that status quo of the starving artist. So I love that you've been brought that up and brought up that term. And I did see, you know, that's something that you do like to talk to creatives about and just people about people about in general is like ending that starving artist syndrome. So I'm curious to know like what is your thoughts around that and how do you feel like we as a creative community can annihilate that status quo? Yeah. So one thing is just, just stop saying that phrase. <laughs> just Absolutely, stop using, yeah. stop using the phrase, stop letting other people use the phrase. It's insulting and it's just not true. And we don't say, you know, starving minister or starving bus boy <laughs> or starving, you know, Mary Kay representative. Like <laughs> there's a lot of career paths that are likely to be way less lucrative than the arts. The arts are you know, make up an enormous amount of the gross domestic product, like more than agriculture, more than trucking. Like mm. the arts are a huge percentage of, of our um, financial economy, I mean, as well as our cultural economy. And so just stop participating in that belief and stand tall in what you do. You know, it was always my complaint when I'd, was spending a lot of time with other actors and say, oh, what do you do? And they're like, oh, well, I'm trying to be an actor, but really I'm waiting tables. I don't know. It's like, no, mm -hmm. you're an actor. Stand tall, look them in the eye and say, I'm an actor. And when they say, which restaurant? You say, ha ha, I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> like own your shit, you know? Yeah. I feel like a lot of um, creatives really struggle with that because I don't know what it is about the lack of mindset and confidence in creatives and it could just be you know how society has viewed us and like speaks to us in a sense or how we're viewed like on the media and entertainment and in movies and things like that but it's just like we kind of lack that typically not everybody obviously but it's always like a challenge to work up and step into that confidence of like saying and claiming that you're an artist like I've heard so many artists so many designers like anybody in the creative space they like try to navigate around claiming it and like saying I'm an artist or like I'm an aspiring artist it's like you either are or you aren't <laughs> like verb, man you are doing yeah. it or you are not doing it and, exactly. and, that, and that idea of realness or legitimacy I, I'm not exactly sure where that comes from either because you know I mean I I've got two best-selling books and I still, and a, and, a, and a musical that's done quite well, and I still feel like, well, I'm not a real writer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I think real writers do that I don't do, but um, but that's okay, you know, that that's okay. And this whole like, well, I don't have a degree in it. Well, I don't have any training for it. Well, I don't, well that may or may not matter. You know, yeah. so much of what you, you know, we have these natural zones of genius, right? We all do, everybody does, everybody is creative. Not everybody is artistic, but everyone is creative. Absolutely. And everyone has these areas that they're just naturally drawn to and they're naturally good at, and they can naturally problem solve in that area better they maybe than other people can. Um, and that, that's innate, you know, that's, that's part of how, you know, we're tribal animals, right? We survive as a tribe. If we think back to, you know, our hunter gatherer days when we were living mm -hmm. in groups of a couple of dozen, you know, somebody would be more inclined to take care of the children. Somebody would be more inclined to be the healer 
shaman, somebody else would be more inclined to say, hey, what's over that hill? I want to go exploring, right? Our, our natural gifts create a, a society. Right? Yeah. That's how we've survived all this time. Um, so to understand that this thing that you are naturally good at, that's, that's your gift. That's, that's what the tribe needs from you. So this idea of like, well, I haven't earned it or I'm not, you know, I haven't legitimized it. It's like, no, no, it just needs you to legitimize it. Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, the imposter syndrome that a lot of people, not just creatives, but I feel like everybody kind of feels like this at some point in their career. Like, who am I to claim art as artist or claim designer, claim actor, musician or whatever? Who am I to coach or speak on stage or write a book? You know, who wants... Like, who am I to think this at all? Um, so what do you feel like is something or something that creatives can do to kind of snap out of that imposter sy- syndrome or like gain more confidence in owning who they are? Yeah, so I think step one is to acknowledge exactly what you just said, which is everybody feels this way. And I've worked with Emmy Award winners and Academy Award winners and incredibly important famous people and they all feel exactly the same way. So <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> that's stop. crazy. Yeah, so just stop expecting that feeling to go away because I don't think it does. But the other tool I have for you is to just change the phrasing of the question, change the intonation of the question. So rather than like, well, who do you think you are to do that? It's, well, who do I think I am to do that? I think I'm a person who's interested in trying that. I think I'm a person who wants to experiment with this topic or this art form or this project you know who do I think I am I think I am a person who listens when her soul is calling her it's almost like uh in like self-development or you know building a positive mindset creating those sort of affirmations for yourself and again kind of like how we were just saying just claiming it and stepping into it and just putting those limiting beliefs to the side yeah and 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 again I'm not a fan of like just generalized sort of, you know, posted on your affirmations. Mm-hmm. But I am a fan of the truth. Yeah. So when you can sort of go into your own deep inner self and go like, well, what's, yeah, what's the truth? What's, what's really real? It's like, well, what's real is I've had this idea for a really long time and I think that's my engraved invitation. So I'm going to try it. All right, then do that. Yeah. Do you feel like you've seen or anything else as far as things that creatives and artists can do to sort of gain that confidence in what they're doing? Or do you feel like it really just starts there and sprouts from there? Um, you know, confidence is, is one of those things that, that, you know, we always feel like we need to have it in order to start. And that's actually a little backwards. You actually get confidence from having done it. Mm-hmm. So don't wait to feel confident. Don't wait to feel ready. Don't wait to feel like it's a good idea. Don't wait to be sure. You know, get out of that getting ready to get ready to get ready thing, you know. Um, and just start, just start following the sparkly breadcrumbs, you know. Follow your intuition. Follow that little idea that you have. And just take baby steps. I'm a big fan of the 15 minute a day strategy. And what does that elaborate? So whatever idea, project, 
is most important to you. Mm -hmm. Not to everybody else, but to you, to your heart, the one that you know would make a difference in your life. Spend 15 minutes on it every single day before you check your email before you check your before you check your email spend <laughs> 15 minutes on the projects that matter most to you and this has a huge benefit all the way along the line partly first of all do it like i said do it first thing because you know how it is you check your email and now it's and then the next thing you know it's three in the afternoon and nothing has happened right <laughs> yeah, so that's the part that requires deep discipline and don't underestimate how much discipline it takes, but you, you got to do it. And I, you know, if you can do it even before you get out of bed, right? 15 minutes a day, it gets us right past the like, oh, my family needs me. My work needs me. No, they don't. Not for 15 minutes. They don't like <laughs> take the time. And it also hopscotches right over your perfectionism because how perfect is something going to be in 15 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's easy to see if you spend 15 minutes playing guitar or stretching or doing your prayer and meditation work or singing or making jewelry or doing whatever it is you love to do every day for a week, a month, a year, six years, you're going to get better at it, right? The first song you write is probably not going to be the best one you ever write, but if you do it every day, you will definitely get better. And then the final reason it's so great is because then you get to walk around smug all day <laughs> long. It's like when you work out in the morning and you're like, yep, I did that. That's how cool I am. How are you? <laughs> like, what did you do this morning? <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, my novel, the one I'm working on every single day. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I, like the, I love that's like something small for you know, people listening and the people that obviously that you help day in and day out, like just something small that they can do every day, just 15 minutes. Like you said, who doesn't have that? Yeah. And even if it's just, you know, sketching or staring at a blank piece of paper, I mean, 15 minutes of enforced <laughs> boredom never hurt a person. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's one of the ways that um, you do help creatives through your company and your workshops and your speaking is like helping creatives with getting unstuck and procrastination. I'm definitely somebody who procrastinates a lot, but I also feel like I thrive under pressure too. So mm. I feel like a lot of people are like that. So I'm curious to know what kind of tips you have for people listening um, that struggle with being, you know, feeling stuck or, you know, procrastinating with everything that they're doing. Yeah, so you bring up a, a really important point, which is procrastination is a very big word that we use to cover a multitude of, of things. Yeah. Some of them sin, some of them not. Um, <laughs> the, I will tell you, much like imposter syndrome, everybody says to me, oh, I'm such a procrastinator, I never get anything done until the last minute. Nobody gets anything done until the last minute. That's how we know it's time to do something, because it is the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> now, your last minute and my last minute might be different. My sister does all her Christmas shopping by the end of August. To her, the end of August is the last minute, right? So mm. it's not so much that she doesn't procrastinate. It's just she has a different sense of, of, of when that project is due. 
So this is why I encourage you to put deadlines onto your projects, like book the gallery, schedule the reading, make the date, make the bet with your friend, whatever it is, you know, because when your mind knows, oh, this has to be done by Tuesday, and you may be sitting there Monday morning going, oh my God, this is due tomorrow and I haven't done a thing on it. It's like, well, that's not actually true. You've been kind of spinning on it this whole time. And by the time you sit down to actually knock it out, you're, you kind of know what you want to do. Like you're, you sort of, you have been working on it. You just haven't been, you know, you may not have been doing it in a step-by-step -step way, but highly creative people tend not to do things in a step-by-step -step way. Um, and I'm like you, I do better if you just say, here's your tap shoes, go. You know? <laughs> like, don't give me a lot of time to think about it because I'll ruin it. <laughs> so yeah. that's part of it is like, are you actually procrastinating or are you just obeying your own natural creative rhythm, you know? Um, and using, and definitely using the adrenaline of a deadline to push through the anxiety of getting your work out there. That's a, that's a tried and true methodology. That's not that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as it gets done, you know, as whatever. long as it gets done. Exactly. Um, the other thing, sometimes I hear people tell me they're procrastinating when honestly it's on something they don't really care about. It's a should, it's somebody else's dream. It's an mm -hmm. old dream, like from their girlhood or boyhood or childhood. You know, it's like, you know what, actually, I don't really care about that. I don't really want to do that. I'm not really interested in that. I feel like I should be interested in it, but I'm not. It's like, guess what? Cross it off the list. Mm. Be real with but yourself. what if somebody listening like hears that, but they're still like, but it's still something that I have to do. Like I can only do it. Or like, how do I, if it's something that I still have to do. Oh, like you have to do it anyway, even though you don't want to. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. another, that's a great point. So this, this is a good acknowledgement to say like, oh, I don't actually care about this thing. I don't really want to prep my taxes. I'm not interested. I find it boring and hateful. Good to know, <laughs> right? So now mm -hmm. I'm going to stop waiting for some magical morning when I'm going to wake up going, you know what I want to do today? <laughs> prep my taxes. Like acknowledge to yourself, okay, this day is not coming. Here's this project that has to be done. It has to be done by me. So how do I incentivize myself? How do I bribe myself to do it? How do I get a buddy to help me do it? Get some accountability? How do, do I hire a coach? Do I, you know, what external structures can I help put on here so that I move forward and like quit waiting for your desire to kick in because it's not going to. Yeah. Tell yourself good. the truth, you know? Tell yeah. yourself the truth. Now, you obviously help creatives with lots of different things. And I think it's primarily like helping them get unstuck, get more organized and see through their creative desires or ideas and passions. Is that correct? Yeah. That's well said. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so I'm curious to know, since you've worked with so many different creatives, like what are like the top, I don't know, three things or however many things you want to share that you feel are I guess, lack of a better word, like the three top three mistakes that cr you see creatives making? Uh, probably the biggest one I see, um, again, with, with highly creative people is they have a grillion ideas all the time. Mm -hmm. And they think that that is somehow a character defect. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, it's a blessing. It's a wonderful thing to have so many ideas. And what you want to do is make sure that you are capturing them 
right? So you're writing them down, you're making a voice memo, you're putting in Evernote, whatever system works for you. But wherever you put it, make sure you put it somewhere where you can retrieve it. Hey, Gangstar, sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this episode so far, stop what you're doing right now and share this podcast with your friends on social media or text it to a friend in your contacts. If you're a true Gangstar and want to uplift and empower other creatives like I know you do, you're going to want to take a few seconds to do this now. Go ahead and pick your phone back up or click that browser tab that you're playing this episode in, hit that pause button and share it now. Hello, what are you waiting for? All right. Thank you for doing that. Now let's get back to the show. I know a lot of creatives rely on notebooks. I also love notebooks. I love composition books, especially those really cheap ones you get at the mm-hmm. you know, Walmart. I love those. Um, and certainly writing down in a notebook or a journal is a great way to capture an idea, but it's terrible for retrieval. Right. I got stacks and stacks of these journals. Yes. I have no idea what's in there. <laughs> yes. And that's all bigger than I'm not going to go back down. <laughs> right. And I'm not going to go back and look like I'm just not going to do it. So yeah. you need to have a system that both captures your ideas and puts them in a position that you can retrieve them. I've created a, a planner called the real life planner that has places. And once something is dated, that's a lot easier to capture that you can retrieve it then. Cause you're like, Oh, that's right. It was in August. I can, you know, I can remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, labeling things, like whatever you want your system to be, but just make sure that you've got, that you understand that you will always have a brilliant ideas. It's not a character defect. It's part of the beauty and magic of you. And understand too that the, the downside of that is sometimes you get snowed under by your own ideas. You have so many ideas, you don't know where to pick. Mm-hmm. You may be overwhelming your team with a lot of ideas. They may not know how to prioritize because you're always coming in with 19 different ideas. You might be making their job harder. You might also have had the experience of hurting a friend's feelings without meaning to because they come to you with an idea and then you have ideas about their idea. <laughs> and you're like, oh, and you could, oh, and you could, oh, and you could. And you just watch their face go like, mm. Yeah. So just be aware of that idea flow. I, and, and those ideas that hang around, because you know some come and go, but there's others that have been hanging around for a long time. That's, that's it. That's like I said, that's your engraved invitation from God. That's all anybody gets. Um, mm. So pay attention to those, pay attention to those. So that, that's one is having a brilliant ideas. Um, another sort of unusual one is, um, I noticed that highly creative people are often suspicious of anything that's too popular Hmm. like like you know and you've probably had this happen where somebody goes oh you have to see this movie it's the best movie ever you have to go see it and then you're like great now i'm not gonna go (laughs) (laughs) yeah the over the over heightness of right like no because yeah because you said i have to go now i'm not gonna go or like so everybody's saying how great this book is and I'm sure it is but now I'm not going to read it because I don't want to do what everybody else is doing and that's fine I think it's good to be suspicious of things that are popular I think it's even more interesting to get a little analytical about things that are popular like why is this so popular why does everyone love this so much what is the dynamic what is the story what is the the emotional chord that's being struck by this and why is it so why is it so popular and then part B, how can I get some of that? <laughs> like, how can I take advantage of this 
trend or this idea mm. or this thing. You know, I think sometimes we sort of huff away a little quickly. Uh, like, oh, well, if everybody, everybody's already doing that. I don't want to do that. Everybody's already doing that. Well, if everybody's already doing it, first of all, everybody is not already doing it. And they're certainly not yeah. doing it your way. And second of all, it's probably because there's some money to be made. So <laughs> maybe, look, <laughs> maybe look into it. <laughs> What else? What else do highly creative people do? They, um, oh, well, this goes a little bit to the too many ideas things, but we're endlessly fascinated by shades of gray, right? We tend to not like black and white thinking. If you ask a creative mm -hmm. person a question, they're likely to say like, well, it depends, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> which is lovely. I mean, it, it means there's a real gift for nuance and subtlety um, and, and complexity. Yeah. But it also means that we will overcomplicate a fucking paper bag. <laughs> so <laughs> understanding, again, that this, this way that you are, where you see a lot of shades of gray, you see a lot of, you know, my mother used to say, oh, Samantha, with you, everything is everything. Like, well, yes, mom. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything is everything. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not always helpful in terms of breaking problems down. So, um, you know, yeah, it gives you a wonderful gift for subtlety, but it also, yeah, you will also tend to overcomplicate. So be, be cautious about that. Gotcha. So what I've taken from everything that you just shared is a lot of things that I've definitely witnessed in other creatives, but basically in a nutshell, it's like, don't one overthink things. Don't, um, don't put aside a trend too quickly because it could be something that could actually benefit you in the long run. And then what was your first one again? You were talking about oh, having a brilliant ideas all the time. Yeah. Uh, that's like, that's like an amazing gift of creatives, but, and entrepreneurs too. Entrepreneurs have a ton of ideas too, but it's also, also can be a fault because it can just overwhelm you. It can overwhelm the, your team and the people around you. And then you can also just kind of be that squirrel chasing a net, just going in a circle and circle and never actually get anything done because you have all those gajillion ideas. Exactly. Exactly. How would you, what are some ways that you feel creatives can make money or somebody who's a highly creative person can make money? So the, the main, the main thing I always say, I want to say to creatives is first of all, triple your prices. Mm, <laughs> triple the 10x I your like price. that. Yeah. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you're charging, just double it, triple it, 10x it, something like that. Move the decimal point. And then offer a money back guarantee, right? Because you know you're going to over deliver. So, and charging a lot is a great differentiator. You know, when you've got people walking around going, well, she costs the earth, but she is so worth it. Like, that's better, right? Those are better clients um, because they really understand the value of what they're getting. Mm -hmm. And you will do better work, right? Because you're not grubbing along barely making a profit you are sailing along making a terrific profit um so that's my shorthand advice is just yeah triple your prices offer a money back guarantee and also think about other ways to structure what you're doing 
in a way that most benefits the client. So I'm always looking for the win, 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 right? I want the thing that's mm -hmm. good for you, good for me, good for the client, good for the client's family, good for the parking guy, like good for everybody. And like, I can't believe that my massage therapist, who is an incredibly gifted healer, I can't believe that she waits for me to call her to book an appointment. Yeah. And then we book one appointment and then I do it. And then it's another three months before I think to call her again. Like, and I've talked about this with her and I'm like, look, you should be, <laughs> I should walk in here and you should go, Samantha, you are a mess. You need a three month package. You're going to come in here once every 10 days for three months and we are going to work you out. We are going to figure out what's going on, you know, cause how much better, how much better could she be at what she does if, if I wasn't coming to her when I'm already at 11, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> on the stress meter yes. If I was there regularly, if she could really work more deeply, if that's part of self-care was a deeper part of my own practice. I don't know about you, but I always get great ideas when I'm on the massage table. Talk about a million ideas. Because <laughs> I'm finally quiet enough to hear them. Um, <laughs> you know, so think about packages. I mean, if I were a florist, I would be like, I'm going to deliver you know, these gorgeous blooms to you in a little vintage teacup, you know, every week I would, you know, like create yeah. subscriptions, create something bigger, more ongoing, partner with somebody else. It's not just flowers, it's flowers. And there's theme music that goes with it. There's, I don't know, affirmations, there's a poem, there's, you know, people need luxury in their lives. They need value. They need art. They need story. And they need to be told what to do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so if you know that what you have to offer helps people, then you owe it to them to, to get it out there in a way that they can say yes to it. And and I know it's part of the self-esteem thing about like, well, you know, I'm a painter. I don't know if that really helps people. Like, <laughs> art is the only thing that ever changed the world. Mm -hmm. Stories are the only thing that ever changed the world. And I think about my, my mother-in-law in, in Great Britain. Um, the last time I went to visit, she wanted to show me a painting that she had bought at a street fair. And it's very simple. It's just like sort of a couple of shades of blue, sort of very tonal, um, but lovely. And, and she said, she said, oh, she was, I just love it. She goes, and every time I look at it, I go, oh, <laughs> and I thought, well, what's the price of that? You know, like, <laughs> is that a, a dollar a day? <laughs> or an, ah, you know? That's just the tagline of that uh, subscription. <laughs> right? So, oh, ah, every day. Every day. And we all have things like that. Those things that are precious, that were, you know, maybe they were expensive and maybe they weren't. But every time we look at them, they remind us of something important about ourselves. Yeah. And that's priceless. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought up the idea of, you know, taking that initiative and telling your clients what to do alongside also thinking of ways you can better serve them with something like a subscription plan. There's also, there's other ways, but I feel like creatives never think enough they love to think outside the box, but not enough when it comes to business. Like there's this weird like divider between it. But it's like if you look at other 
you know, regular businesses, quote unquote, like, you know, dentist or um, go into the doctor, you go to the gym, you know, everybody has some sort of monthly plan of some sort or subscription, or it's like, think about ways you can incorporate those ideas and models into your own creative business. Um, totally. and there's so there's many ways the, you can do that. The monthly plan. And then there's the upsell, right? For the yes. people who want a more exclusive, more private, more intensive, more efficacious way of doing it. Like have the next level. Cause there's some people who I was so surprised at the first time I offered a high-end program, I had been offering things that were maybe a couple hundred bucks, but that was it. Um, the first time I offered a $10,000 program, I sent out one email and I got eight people. It was an $80,000 email. There you go. Boom. I did not know that there was this pent up demand. There were people on my list who were like, I don't want your $300 thing. Like, <laughs> I want the real thing. I want the intense yeah. thing. I want the thing that's going to push me. I want the thing that's, that's substantial, you know? And I was like, oh, so me charging more is actually better for you. Yeah. And people will be surprised, artists and creatives listening, like you'd be surprised how many people are actually waiting to pay you that top dollar or pay you that big number that you, you know, desire to have someone pay you, but you don't think you can do it. But it, if you just, just say, F it, I'm going to just charge this price or offer this whatever to my client for this price, you'd be surprised how many might say yes. It might not just be one, it might be multiple people and you're gonna kick yourself for not doing that any sooner. It's true. I often tell my people, just imagine they're standing in a circle around you, like just like if you were to reach out your arms, they're just outside of reach and they're just standing there with their American Express cards, just wishing, <laughs> wishing and That's hoping. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any sort of, um, obviously everybody's business is different. Um, everybody's creative talent and craft is different, but do you have any methodology of how you help creatives with as far as like pricing goes for their services? Mm. Um, pricing is both an art and a science mm -hmm. and it's worth reading up on a little bit. There's a couple of good books about it. There's a couple of good articles about it. If you spend a little time Googling, um, I would, so in terms of research, I would figure out what's the range in your, in that thing that you do. And I know nobody does exactly what you do, but roughly, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what's the competition charging and not that there's competition because there's plenty for everybody, but, yes. um, you know, what's the bottom of the market? What's the top of the market? And if definitely be in the top third of the top of the market, if not, like I said, three to 10 times more than that, understand that you know, roughly speaking, anything under $100 is kind of an impulse buy. So if you're going to charge 49 for something, well, why not charge 79 mm -hmm. or 99? Because it's to the consumer, it's the same. It doesn't feel any different to them. Um, most people I've read anyway, feel like they can spend up to about $250 before they feel like they should maybe talk to their spouse or partner, right? Mm -hmm. So again, if it's if it's an impulse buy, if it's a spur of the moment thing, if it's a one-off, you know, if you're under $250, you're, you're probably fine. Over $1,000, you know, there's certain mental blocks, you know, there's sort of a mental block at 500, there's a sort of a mental block at 1,000, mm -hmm. but the next mental block doesn't really come till 5,000, right? So again, if you were thinking about charging 
$300, why not charge $900? If you were thinking about charging $2,500, why not charge $7,500? The, the, it doesn't make that much difference to the client. Um, and again, your profitability goes way up and just the meaning, the heft, you know, it becomes yeah. much more significant. Yeah, definitely. And I think that goes to something that like my husband and I, we say, cause we have um, a branding company and we invested in like coaching and masterminds. And so we've been to a lot of events and hear people talking a lot, but a lot of the one thing that I forgot who we heard it from, but something that sticks in our head is like those people who pay, they pay attention. And I think that goes for not just like information and courses and digital products, but it goes for really anything. And if somebody pays, you know, a thousand dollars for your dance class, classes package or your, um, your performance or your artwork, it's like, they're going to value that piece of art forever and like talk about it more and be more proud of it and want to then buy from you again and tell other friends about it. Where if, like you said, or it's stuff under a hundred dollars, of course you want to have something that, you know, that's available for anyone to purchase and invest in. But it's like, those little things can obviously kind of just be put to the side unless like that is like their top point, that $50 print might be their like the most that they've ever spent on an artwork and maybe that'll be dear to them. But also there's a lot of things that we all buy that are under a hundred dollars that we probably bought and was super excited about it. But then, you know, a year later, who knows where that thing is anymore. Right. Exactly. And yeah. And that's, that's the other nice thing about having, high-end offerings and high-end clients is then they can subsidize the stuff that you do mm-hmm. that's free or really low cost. Yeah. You know, I try to make sure that I've got stuff, really valuable stuff that's totally free. I do, um, you know, stuff that's sort of mid-range and then, but the closer they get to getting my own personal time, the more expensive it gets. Yes. So if you want can't my get your time back, <laughs> you can't get your time back. So if you want my you know, my insights on your work, my, my take on your marketing or your pricing or rent, that's going to cost you more. Um, so yeah. The other thing to remember too, about pricing is that it tells a story. And again, especially for, for highly creative people, you have an opportunity then to, to say, oh, this price is, you know, this piece is priced at 1967 because that's the year I was born. Or this piece is priced, you know, this work is $333 because we're going to be talking about magic and three is a magical number. Or, (laughs) you know, this was priced at, you know, $222 because two is my favorite number. I don't know. You know, you can, when you give people a because, right, this is priced this way because they will accept it almost instantly. Interesting. I've never heard that before. And even if your because is because it's Tuesday, <laughs> because I felt like it. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly powerful. Um, and in fact, sometimes when I'm teaching marketing, I say the three most important words are you get because, mm-hmm. right? So you, who is the you you are talking to? Who is the ideal client? Because we only ever want to sell till ideal, till ideal clients. Ideal clients, you've probably heard versions of this before, but they need you. They know they need you. They're demonstrating through their behavior that they need you. They can pay you. They share your value system. And maybe not all of your value system, but 
they laugh at the same jokes. That's really, <laughs> that's really what I mean. <laughs> so we own, that's the you, we only ever sell to ideal clients. And so when you're talking to them, you want to say, you use words that let them know you're talking to them. Um, yeah. And it's a big mistake that so many entrepreneurs make is they start talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I offer health coaching for women who are dealing with postmenopause <laughs> and energy and sex drive and nutrition. Like, so what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's what right? everybody should ask themselves when they're talking to their client or who they're trying to help and provide value for is like, so what? You always have to tie that. So what? Like what does this, what you're saying have to do with that person? Right. So name the problem that you solve. So if I were that health coach, I would say, um, all right. So you know how your pants don't fit and you know how you burst into tears in the frozen food aisle the other day for no reason. And you know how (laughs) you haven't had sex since that disastrous trip to Cabo. (laughs) That's what I help with. Mm -hmm. Right. And now the person that that's right for is raising their hand. The person that that's right for is going, oh my God, she's got a camera in my house. This person knows me, they can help me. And then whatever your solution is, if it's health coaching or nutrition or thyroids or kettlebells or I don't know, whatever it is, um, that person is automatically going to start trusting you because you can articulate their problem better than they can. Yeah. Uh, So you, and then what do they get? You get this transformation. You get the solution to your problem. You get this outcome or result. And again, name it. And why why do they get it so you highly creative person are getting this email uh you get 10 percent off because it's tuesday you get (laughs) this thing because this this also works by the way with like your family (laughs) (laughs) because i love you (laughs) that's right because you teenager get to clear the dinner table because we as a family work together to make this house work it's funny But check your, check your own work, check your own work, you guys, when you're writing, like, go, you, is the, you clear, is the, what are they getting because, is the get clear and is the because clear? Yeah. And I always tell um, entrepreneurs and creatives, especially the whole word you, it's definitely like the number one important thing, especially with your marketing and emails and your website. If your whole website is just talking about yourself, you need to go in there and rewrite all that copy and throw in as many you's as possible, because this isn't about you. This is about the person you're trying to sell your services to, or your artwork to, or who, whatever you're selling, you're trying to sell this to somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I'm curious to know what kind of um, strategies or tips you have to share to that listener who, you know, they are excited about the things that you just shared about how they can make money as a creative and all the other things that you've shared. But I find that creatives really struggle with like money mindset, like feeling like they can even charge, like you're saying, you know, like triple your prices. I can totally see someone listening to this being like, well, that's easy for you to say, you know, like that type of thing where money is just not like something that creatives are comfortable talking about or feeling that they're deserving of. So what are some things that you feel could be helpful to that person listening? Yeah. Well, this is one of the ways where having your own business, being an entrepreneur or a small business person is the single greatest tool to personal development and spiritual growth of all total time. 
<laughs> because you can only create at the level of your own consciousness, right? So your results are a direct reflection of what is going on inside of your brain. So if the inside of your brain has a belief that says, well, I work really hard and then I never get anything, then your results are going to demonstrate that you work really hard and never get anything. So it is worth doing whatever spiritual or personal work you are drawn to, most disciplines have some version of it, to raise your prosperity consciousness, get clear on what your family's money story is, sort that shit out, and start to appreciate the fact that money loves you. Mm -hmm. Money is hanging around all the time just trying to help. And you talk shit about it. <laughs> Try to do a lot of that, the swatting away of money. No, no, get that money away from me. Yeah. I had a client one time who pinged me. She says, yeah, I just had somebody ask me for a gift certificate. And I don't really offer that. Like, what do I do? I'm like, oh my God, draw it on a matchbook. <laughs> who cares? They're giving you free money. <laughs> Uh, it's like the answer is just right there. And the gift card of all things is like the easiest thing you could do or offer. Right. Or create. <laughs> yes, I will gladly take your money and then you can redeem it some other time. Of course you can have a gift certificate. Like, but again, if you don't have the consciousness that that's okay, then you're not mm -hmm. going to see that opportunity. Right. So do that. And this is where self-help like actually helps. Like it actually, because I was that person. I shopped in thrift stores. I clipped coupons. I would play guess how much this outfit cost. And it was always less than $100, including bra and shoes. Like, wow. I was dedicated to being broke. And I was really, really <laughs> good at it. And it wasn't. And finally, I got, sort of got the memo of like, Sam, if you would like to have more money, you're going to have to do some work on money. And it turns out it's not that hard. Again, it, it takes a little bit of, of doing. You have to discipline yourself and you probably have to separate yourself from your family a little bit. Yeah. Your family's beliefs and understandings about money are, you're about to change into somebody different and you may just not want to talk about it with them. Just talk about other things. <laughs> ask them, ask yeah. them about themselves. <laughs> just don't get into it because they're going to go, you charge $50,000 for what? you do what no. <laughs> yes i do <laughs> you wish you could too huh <laughs> that's exactly right uh and even you know just recently i was talking to a friend of mine who's an executive coach he he works i am not a coach particularly but he is and he works with um ceos and other c-suite people and he's got a two hundred fifty thousand dollar a year program mm -hmm. and i was like really <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, you should make one too. And I was like, wow. And so I did, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't offered it. I'm not sure if I'm going to offer it, but I was like, but again, a whole new level of consciousness, right? Like, oh, yeah. if I were charging someone $250,000 for a year of mentorship with me, like, what could I do with them? What 
would like, I think we would start with a weekend in Hawaii, don't you? Like, right. Yeah. Let's mastermind Hawaii. Let's do some self care. Let's, right? let's send them, a, I can send a car to pick them up. I can have the best photographer in LA do their shots. Like, I can send do them all- a gift every month. You can do so much. Send them a <laughs> gift every month. Exactly. Like, this could be really fun. Um, and like, wow. I, so I could generate, you know, half my business's income in one phone call, maybe. If I call yeah. the right person with that offer, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't think there's any, like, I think it's really cool and dope to just, it sounds crazy, but create that offer, you know, and see what happens. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Someone just talks shit to you like, wow, I can't believe you have this offer. I saw it um, on your website or I heard you talking about it or someone someone told me that you have this $100,000 offer, $250,000 offer. It's like, who do you think you are? And then, you know, you never know, you might come, somebody might come across that and be like, wow, I was like totally looking for someone like you that offers all this. But I felt like everybody else was just, you know, undervaluing themselves. I wasn't sure if my money was going to be spent in the right place. Like there's so many things that your buyer could be thinking and you might find that one person. That's exactly right. Cause there's no shortage of money in the world. No, not at all. Money is basically an unlimited resource. I mean, I guess we could eventually count the last dollar, but we're not going to. So (laughs) for our purposes, (laughs) for our purposes, uh, money is an unlimited resource and it is being met by the unlimited resource of your creativity. Your creativity is like I said, this endless fountain. It's never once betrayed you. It's never once left your side. It is with you all the time. And so now we're talking about making money, not off exploiting the resources of the planet, not off of exploiting cheap labor, but we're talking about making money off of the infinite resource of our creativity. So the infinite resource of your creativity meets the infinite amount of money in the world. Well, that's a very lovely place to start from. Yeah because there's nothing but abundance. There's no competition. There's no shortage. There's no lack. There's plenty for everybody. There is. Yeah. That's all. I love that. Everything that we were just discussing because it's such a money is just such a weird taboo thing within the creative community. And I always love talking to my guests about money and, you know, talking about the possibilities of what creatives can make in their industries and, helping creatives set those standards in their industries. And I think it's because money, we make money sort of this taboo thing, or we don't talk about money enough in our creative Mm -hmm. um, industries that it is the way it is, you know, that there are artists and creatives who are struggling and it's because we're not helping each other out and we're not talking about money. We're not building our money mindset and really, you know, seeing that there is money for everybody out there. There's no shortage of that. That's exactly right. I would love to see this conversation happen more and more often. And, you know, sometimes people apply it sort of an employee mindset to their creative mm-hmm. work. Like, well, I couldn't charge, you know, $500 for this because I make it in like two minutes. <laughs> and and you're yeah. going to punish yourself because you work fast. Like nobody cares how long it, this is the difference, right? When you have a job, they pay you to be there. They pay you to show up and look busy. When you're yeah. working for yourself, you get paid for results. Yep. You get paid for sales. That's all you get paid for. So it doesn't matter how long it takes you to make it or how good you are <laughs> at it or what your big fat opinion about it is. Like, let it go. Also, here's a good trick. Like, if you're sitting there listening to us and thinking, like, this is not, mm-mm, mm-mm. No, money's <laughs> hard. Money is complicated. I can't do it. Like, 
notice how much you put on money. Like just substitute another phrase. Like you wouldn't be like, well, there's just not enough raspberry jam in the world. I mean, where am I going to get more raspberry jam? I mean, <laughs> my mother never had enough raspberry jam and I never had enough raspberry jam. <laughs> <laughs> it starts to sound really silly. So if you substitute another word, you'll be able to see like, oh, I'm not talking about something that's real. I'm talking about something inside of my mind. Yes. I love that. Just because it just, like you said, it money is just money. It's a resource for us. We can have as much of it as we want to desire and work for. It's out there. There's no, like nothing really stopping you if you really want that money out there you can create something like artwork or services or whatever it is to get that for you so that you can create the life that you want you can have that freedom and do whatever you want with it honestly you can give back whatever you want you know it's there for you it's not evil <laughs> or it's not just for crazy wealthy you know rich people that do crazy things with it's like you can have everything you want just like those people do so yeah and i don't get the stereotype that like rich people are bad or money grubbing i was a way <sighs> more money when i was broke than i am now that i have money <laughs> i find that to be true too and I, I think that also has something to do with like media and you know oh, movies yeah. or shows and stuff just like how that kind of adds the starving artists i feel a uh, stigma where it's just like i know for me and my husband we first, you know, stepped into a room with other, around like a bunch of millionaires, which we had never ever done that before, but we, we had invested into like a mastermind and being surrounded by, you know, this different mindset of people. And we started to get to know these people. It's like, why do people think rich people are like bad people? These people are actually like doing good in the world. They're helping people with their businesses or giving back to organizations and their communities and their friends and their people. And then they also get to live like this killer ass lifestyle, like doing whatever the hell they want to do. Um, and it's just like, man, if any, if everybody could just see this, they could see that this is possible for themselves. So it's well, definitely not an evil. Put yourself in the rooms you want to be in, play tennis with yeah. better tennis players, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So we are getting close to the hour mark, but I want to ask you some questions for our listeners that maybe are curious about more of the acting side of your journey and your life. Um, for anybody that's listening that may want to take that sort of career path, I'm curious to know, you know, what it takes, I guess, to be an actor. Like for somebody who's listening, is there any tips you can give to that person? Since you've had so much, so many years in the industry, I'm sure there's a lot of valuable nuggets you can share from your experience. Um, thank you. That's what an interesting question. Um, I think the, f the main thing it takes to be an actor is the desire to be an actor. Um, the desire to tell stories mm. and the desire to explore what human behavior is. You know, that's, that's what always fascinated me. Um, and if you were even the slightest bit interested in acting, I would absolutely take an acting class. I would absolutely study it. Um, and if you've got kids that are interested in studying theater and you're freaking out because you're like, that's not a career path, <laughs> relax. <laughs> because first of all, it is. And second of all, everything you learn about as an actor serves you so well in real life. Mm. it's about language and it's about history 
and it's about body language and it's about energy and it's about learning to speak and stand up in front of people, which just that alone, so many people are so terrified to stand up in yeah. front of people and talk. The ability to present, to carry yourself, to adapt to circumstances, um, to think on your feet, to work as part of an ensemble, as part of a team, um, because you know, no show happens alone even solo shows take a team to learn to manage rejection and failure mm. and ugly public failure <laughs> <laughs> massive belly flops in front of live audiences um and also how to handle success graciously and compliments um it's and and you'll meet the best people in the world i mean actors are so they're crazy people but they're so smart and funny and loving and generous most of them are just really really lovely lovely people um so and it's super duper fun so if you have any inclination <laughs> at all i would absolutely lean into it because like i said the not only is the activity itself fun but um you'll meet great people and you will grow incredible skill sets improvisation even more so like i said most, i spent most yeah. of my life doing a lot of improvisational comedy and that's also just worth its weight in gold but yeah i i would get get a good teacher gets uh, like with anything find a good room find a room full of people that you like and respect and that you feel like like and respect you right don't go where you're tolerated go where you're celebrated and um yeah just hang out with them mm. is there anything that like you found that i mean so many people want to be an actor right or make it into a movie or a show or become like you know a well-known face on the screen do you have you found anything to be like the key to that sort of success or is everybody's journey just so different it's kind of like almost a some sort of ounce of luck or good timing is there any sort of like strategy to kind of get to that place Boy, it's a lot of things. It's, there is some luck, I think. There's also strategy. There's also, I think mostly what it is, is just pure grit. Mm. Just much like success as an entrepreneur, just keep showing up no matter what. That's what gets you there eventually. And, and making your own opportunities. You know, don't wait for somebody to hand you the opportunity make make your own opportunity i like it i think that's good and i think that can be really applied to anything that you're trying to go after honestly whether it's art design music whatever it is creating those opportunities for yourself not just relying on your curriculum or teacher or others like you need to go and create those opportunities for yourself too that's right that's right. And then and, and so much easier now than it ever has been. I mean, you know, you want to be on a TV show? Let's hold up your iPhone and start a TV show. You yeah. Know, you want to be on the radio? Start a podcast. You want to, like, it's, it's not that hard. Um, yeah. So I know people sometimes feel a little paralyzed by how much opportunity there is, but, but really um, the world needs your art. The world needs your voice. The world needs your story. So quit holding out on us. <laughs> I love it. Is there any last parting uh, tips or pieces of advice you'd like to share to the Gangstar listeners? Get enough sleep, drink more water, take good care of yourself. You know, when you're... Get to the basics. Yeah. When you're the entrepreneur, you, when you're the CEO, when you're the artist, you are the engine pulling the train. 
So you showing up stressed out and underfed and undernourished and undercuddled and underloved and underwalked and underexercised <laughs> and under, under all those things, that's not good. That's, that's, that's bad for the rest of us that have to deal with you like that. So do whatever you need to do so that you are showing up in the world calm, rested, fed, nourished, spiritually fulfilled, you know, with the light in your eyes. That's the one we love. That's the version of you we love. And you're less reactive. You listen better. You have better ideas. Like take that time. You know, people act like self-care is so selfish. No, it's the opposite. Self-care puts you in a position of being able to be of service to other people. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love, it's such a different answer that I've gotten from my other guests. And I think it's good, like just honing in to those basics of you and making sure you're good and your mind is good and your body and your heart, all of that. So I think that that's really good. good. Um, is there anything uh, that you're working on that our listeners can look forward to? Is there anything like what's next for you? Yeah, I'm writing, um, the proposal for a new book, which I'm excited about. Um, and the old books are still selling really well and they're available on audiobooks and stuff. So that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, like I said, I created a planner. Um, so that's really, ex I didn't, uh, I surprised myself a little bit by doing that, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm really cool. pleased with the way it's going. So y'all can just hop over to the real Sam Bennett.com or I'm the real Sam Bennett on all the socials. And, um, get on my mailing list. Cause really, if you're interested, especially, um, email is still dollar for dollar time, minute for minute, the best marketing tool there is. It's the cheapest mm -hmm. and, the and the ROI is out of this world. So, and you might, I've hair toss, hair toss. I've won awards for my email marketing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very, very special in that way. Um, <laughs> but hop on my, hop on my email list and see what I see, how I do it. Cause, um, and then, and then steal, you know, do your own version of it, but copy. Yeah. From me. Um, steal from the smart people for sure. Mm, I love it. Well, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to share your awesome nuggets and the journey and all of that. I'm going to link your social and your website and all that stuff um, in the show notes and everything. But yeah, just thank you so much for giving us your time and your wisdom. And I'm so happy to have had you on. Me too. Thanks so much for being with me. Thank you. Thanks everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, listen to a couple more episodes and share it with a fellow Gangstar creative. I would also be forever grateful if you left a review letting me know what you loved and what you'd like to hear more of. And as a thank you for leaving me a review, I'll gift you both my 10 ways to create a Gangstar brand PDF and five ways to boost your online sales PDF. Just screenshot your review and DM me the picture on Instagram at Devonna Stimson and I'll send it right over to you. Until next time, cheers to annihilating the status quo of the starving artist.